Welcome to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. Join us on our journey as the host, Martin Perdomo, the elite strategist, talks about how ordinary people can become extraordinary with the power of real estate investing. Here, he and his guests share their expert knowledge on how to create wealth through real estate investing, the mindset required to become a millionaire, and what it takes to master the craft. Hey guys, this is Martin Perdomo, the Elite Strategist, and you're listening to Latinos in Real Estate Investing Podcast, and today I have Byron Enriquez. And um, Byron, man, he's got a ton of knowledge and experience to share with us today. He's been 20 years in the finance industry, 15 years in the real estate finance side of things. He's also has a proven he has a proven track record in leadership and sales training and coaching. And he's focused his career on developing salespeople and sales leader and on the lending side now. So he's doing a lot of different things. So guys, this is going to be an exciting interview because we're going to kind of go and. In, in in different directions, he's got so much, so much he's doing, and so much, so much knowledge and, and information that I, I want him to share with me. So you guys get to benefit from that as well. So Byron, primeramente, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. And another thing, guys, Byron is a first generation born American. His parents are from Guatemala and from El Salvador. So they, they he's like me. I'm first 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 one in my family born here. And it seems that uh, that way for him. Byron, welcome. Bienvenidos, my friend. Yes, and, yes. Uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, excited uh, opportunity to share a little bit with you guys about kind of my 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 history, and excited to share with your with your audience about you know what what we can do as a as a as a generation as a, as a people to help each other out. Perfect, perfect. And that's that's where I want to start. You know, Byron. A lot of us, uh, a lot of guys like you and I were were born here. You know, first first born here. First generation, Amer- first American born, right? We're the first generation born in this country. And, and we learn, you know, to work hard. We learn to work hard and get a job and get an education. And that's how you move ahead. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Because obviously you're an entrepreneur and we both know that that track necessarily, that story that our parents came with, they came here to work hard and get ahead. It's not the way you and I have gotten to where we are today. So can you share a little bit about that? How did you come into the industry? How did you get into sales? And just tell us that story. How did you? Yeah, no, well, it, you hit it right in the head. I mean, it's, it's our, our, you know, we're, we're raised in a, in a generation where extremely hardworking, you know, my parents, you know, growing up working two jobs, you know, and I saw the value of the work ethic, you know, and them working, you know, working super hard and, 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 at the time, you know, sometimes as a kid, you don't you don't realize it, you know. Uh, but as a, as you get older, you really start to appreciate and acknowledge, mm-hmm. you know, all the hard work that they've done for us to get us to to put us in a better situation and a better life. Um, all that being said, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur is also kind of breaks the norm from from what our 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 culture is kind of you know at least the, the, our culture of, of immigration of immigrants doesn't really fit that mold so much, you know. And as a young person, um, you know, I. I, I tell people this, the story that, you know, I kind of got into finance a little bit uh, back when I was 12, 13 years old. Um, my, my dad was refinancing his house. And at the time, the loan docs and all the paperwork was in English. Uh, and as much as my parents do speak English, um, once you get into the legal documents, 
you know, he always wanted an extra pair of eyes and he would ask me to read it in English and translate it for him, you know, and at the time I didn't realize it, didn't know, but it kind of stuck, right? A lot of those, a lot of the terminology, a lot of the things that, that he was going through stuck with me, um, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 years later, uh, getting out of high school, uh, going to college and, and during a, like a college fair at, you know, job fair at my school, a, a bank was there and they said, Hey, we are offering, you know, we're looking for college students to come work at nights answer the phones and do customer service. And I said, well, I needed a job to pay for school. So I did it, mm-hmm. um, but really caught that finance and banking bug. And, and it made sense for me. And it was something that was an industry that made sense. Um, I had some family that already do real estate, um, but it just didn't, that to me wasn't the fit. Um, I got, you know, at a young age, somebody said I was maybe 19, 20 years old. They said, you should go get real, your real estate license. Uh, I did, went to go get my real estate license, went, I sold a house. And the moment escrow closed, I said, this isn't for me. You know, I was like, I it just, I couldn't, it was not my, it was not in my, uh, it was not my comfort zone. It was not what I did well to go show people homes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I value that profession. It just wasn't for me. Right. I, I had a more um, drive and passion for the back end, the number side of it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, you know, in, in a couple of different factors, you know, working at banks, I said, you know, I'm going to take the leap. And I went to work for a mortgage company. This was, like, like I said, almost probably 20 years ago. Got it. Got it. So, okay. So you bought your first house, um, which seems like your first, your personal home. And you, you mentioned something. I'm going to go backtrack a little bit because um, as Latinos, right. For especially first born generation, first generation born are Latino Americans. Our parents, I remember my mom giving me letters saying, here, let me enter, read me this. And it would be some government document. And you'd be like, what the hell am I reading? <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I don't know what this says. Like, like I, don't, I don't know how to translate this stuff, right? Uh, I just thought I'd share that because I, I think we we would. Uh, I think a lot of us. Do, I think a lot of us do it, right? That's that's mm-hmm. some, one of the things that that uh, that we do for our parents, and it's just normal. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. So anyway, so you went and you and you bought this. You sold this house, um, and and you realized it wasn't for you. You realized real estate, real estate, it wasn't for you. You went started working on the mortgage side. So, so how did you evolve into the, the active investing part of the business? Well, that, you know what, that actually took, took some time for me to do it. Um, once I got into the real estate business and I mean, sorry, the mortgage side of it, you know, it's real estate. It's all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, I had been in the mortgage company and business now for maybe four years, four or five years. Um, I had started a, a small broker shop at the time. Uh, this was back in 03, 04, mm-hmm. you know, I had started up a, a, you know, and, and a, and a real estate deal kind of fell in our lap, you know, uh, somebody who wanted a loan and couldn't afford it and it was about to go into foreclosure. Uh, so I saw an opportunity uh, and a business partner of mine and I said, you know what, how about we offer to buy the property? You know, it was going to go into foreclosure. So we bought the property. It was a property out in Vegas. Um, you know, and we bought it off the, 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 the borrower, helped her out a little bit uh, instead of getting foreclosed on rented it out, you know, did some stuff. And I said, Oh, you know what, this is, this can be uh, uh, another side of our business. Um, so we started actively looking for some properties and we did uh, here in the Los Angeles market. We did probably at the time, maybe 10 or 15 flips. Um, this was, this is some time ago, right? So we, we, you know, we, we actively were in that market all while managing a mortgage company. Got it. Got it. Um, so so you got your first deal through your mortgage company. I used to own a mortgage company around the same time, too. It's kind of how I came into the business as well. Interesting. Um, so you 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 had this mortgage company. You went and you got this uh, you you got this opportunity. Now you're the lender. But before we talk about you you being the lender, I want to get into your world a little bit about 
how did your mindset shift from what our parents taught us, right? And what our parents teach us and how we are conditioned to work hard, work hard, work hard instead of, instead of what you're doing now, which is shifting, kind of using money to work for you and creating and creating wealth. I mean, you're going to, you're going to, we were, we were talking a little bit of off air and you're going to be um, opening up a fund. That's a big deal. $50 million. That's a big, big deal. Congratulations, brother. Salute you. you for that. Good luck Thank with you. that. That's a, that's a big deal. Right. And, 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 and you talk to, you talk to most, most guys like you and I that come from the backgrounds we come from. And you say that number, that's a big number. You know, I'm only, I'm only comfortable saying, talking to you about those numbers because I have a lot of friends like you that have big funds like that. And it, then it almost becomes like second nature to have these conversations. But at first it was like, Whoa, you know, that's, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a big deal. So tell us about that. Like, how does a person that's born in a, in a humble home, hardworking home, have that shift to go from, man, um, I, I'm going to go and get a job that the, the, the cliche of, I just want to be comfortable, right? Get my 60,000, 70,000, 80, whatever that is, and be comfortable, pay my bills and be comfortable. And I reject that. I reject that for me. That's, that's not what I want. I choose something totally different. Obviously, you, you have too. But how does one shift from, the traditional mindset of work hard, get a job and all that to where you are today. To oh, opening yeah, up you know, that, that's, that's a whole journey, right? It's a really, it's a, it's a big journey. And I, and I, and I go back and, you know, I did, you know, when going through school and college, um, you know, I went and got a job at the bank and I was doing very well, quote unquote, very, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in the ICE society. Um, I was a foreign exchange trader, trading securities, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doing the whole thing, right. Doing the, the trading guy. Um, but that being said, like I still saw some limitations in what I did and what I can earn. Um, and it just didn't sit well with me. You know, I remember having a conversation once, and this was wow, years and years and years ago. I was sitting at a dinner table at my brother's house, my older brother, uh, and a buddy of ours was there. And, and we were just talking, just kind of dreaming and, and thinking about like, how do you get rich, right? That was the idea. How do you get rich? And it was, I was like, you're never going to get rich or quote unquote rich um, at a nine to five. Um, and that always stuck with me. And I was like, you know what, this, there's gotta be more to that. There's gotta be more to that. Um, I'm a big proponent in mentorship and, and having people in your life that can guide you and push you and direct you in, in the right aspects. Um, and I surrounded myself with a lot of people who, who had that um, and who, who were able to feed into my life of that. Not only that, I'm a big reader and a big, uh, like just learner, right. And that's not even a proper term, but just learning of life and looking around and seeing, you know, what people were doing that, that are, you know, you know, emulate certain behaviors, emulate certain uh, activities, look at certain goals that people are setting and try to get there. Right. So I, I brought, I made it to, I, you know, it was kind of a, a set thing to myself. And I said, there's gotta be something more. Um, and when I jumped into the mortgage business where it wasn't necessarily entrepreneur, right. Cause I was working for a company, even though I was a uh, quote unquote, uh, self-employed through them and, and just the independent contractor. Um, you know, and I saw it and I, and I saw that I had the ability to do so. Um, you know, that's where, I also learned that I got my passion for the sales and the, and the leadership and, and learning and wanting to be the best. Because when I went into this company, you know, I, I got a job at a mortgage company and they gave me a spreadsheet and a phone and they said, go sell. That was it. That was the whole training. Go sell. Had never done a loan in my life, had never sold anything other than, you know, upsold some French fries at my, at my high school job, right? I had never sold anything. Um, so I took it upon myself to read and to surround myself with people that were good salespeople, or I thought were good salespeople. And I just, you know, 
and I developed a passion to be able to show that and share that with, with people down the road. Um, you know, and that, and that propelled my growth and my career and going through different banking jobs and, um, you know, and finally opening my own opportunity, my, my own job, my own company, uh, and growing that into what we needed to, to be. Right. But I, yeah, you know what, like you said, I, I, and until this day, you know, I, I, you know, parents and family members see me frustrated and they see me and they're like, Oh, mijo, why don't you just go get a real job? Why don't you go get a real job? <laughs> Which irks me, right. That, that bothers me to no end because, you know, the joke I say, it's, I gave up my 90, my nine to five for a 24 seven, right. I work yep. more than nine to five. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a real job, right. There's families, people that depend on me, uh, and what I bring to the table to be able to support their families, to have their quote unquote real jobs. So, um, but you know, that's, but that's what we get, right. Got you. That's, that's 100% correct. Now, now I want to ask you this, uh, Byron, what is the one thing that you do that gets you the most success? Honestly, I probably have to say it's a it's it's all mindset. Um, it's all goal, goal setting and mindset for me. Um, you know, one of the things I learned from one of my mentors was you know getting up early, waking up super early. You know, and, and for a long time, I used to wake up at four thirty in the morning, uh, not because I had to, right? It wasn't because I had a a job to get to at, at a certain time. I hadn't had to clock in at a certain time, but it was a, an article that I read about like the Navy SEALs and and waking up at four thirty and uh, you know the ten percent top executives in the country all have a early morning routine. You know, and and so it was something that I decided was I'm going to get up early. I'm going to you know do my do my myself and get myself prepared for my day. Right, I go to the gym. Um, you know, have my breakfast. Have you know, read up on certain things that I want to read, do my self-motivate, some, you know, motivational things that I need to do, do my goal setting for the day, you know, do my, my to-do list so that when I attack the day, seven, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, whatever time it is, uh, you know, and the most of the world starts waking up and getting to work, you know, I already have a head start, right? I already have my day mapped out, planned out, what I need to do, what I need to accomplish. And yes, you know what, in the last few years, I've gotten a little bit older, I have deviated and I don't get up at 4.30 anymore, um, but I did for... 15 years. Right. And I did it because it was something that, that I, that uh, was the mindset that I was trying to create the, the routines and the, and the positive mentality I was trying to put in my life. So, so tell us about that. Someone's listening here and they're like, man, how, how do I, how, how do I get who, how can I model that? How can I model success? How can I model uh, a winner's mindset? What does your morning ritual look like now? And if someone is listening out there, that's looking to get success in all areas of their life. I believe I believe in living fully, family, finances, business. I mean, all the way around, friends, the eight Fs. Um, where 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 would you tell them to start? What does what does that what does that look like? That so that, that's a, that's a great question because actually, when I when I coach people and I mentor people and I do do so, um, my first question to them is is that um, it's identifying success. And, and writing it down that what does success mean to them? And that's my first question to anybody that I sit down with and I mentor. My question to them is what does success mean to you, right? Because without having that, that target of what you're trying to accomplish, um, you're never going to get there, right? So that's the first step is, is you know, people say, hey, I want to be successful. Well, what does that mean, right? Does that mean you want to be financially successful? Does that mean you want to have time to play golf twice a week? Does that mean you want to be able to do, attend your kids' activities? You know, everybody is different and that that mindset is different for everybody. So I can impose my my um, 
my map to get to that success because my success model is different than yours, right? We're, we're each trying to accomplish different things. But once you determine what that success model is for you and what it is you're trying to accomplish, what those goals are for you, um, it, I start off with writing them down, right? You need to write them down, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then I ask, and then, and then I, I create a three-step process, right? The, the three questions are, is where are you? Where are you going? And how are you going to get there? Right? And it's very simple. It's, it's look, I know where I want to get to, right? So it's where, where are you? Let's, you know, if the goal is I want to make just for, to make it easier, right? my goal is success model is I want to make a million dollars a year, right? Where, where are you? Well, I have a hundred thousand. Okay. You know, so that's your first question, right? Where are you? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start building backwards that model of how are you going to get there? Right. What are the steps that you need to take to get there? And if it's, I need to you know make X amount of money every month. All right. What are the steps that I need to do to make that, to make that successful? If it's time, right. If it's, or it's education and it's, I want to get this degree. Right. So now we've identified what your, what your goal is. Uh, now let's work backwards. How are you going to get there? Right. Well, I, you know, I know I need to go back to school. All right. So what are the steps you need to do to be able to give you that time to go to school? Right. And then, and it's just, and it's doing that and it's, and it's working that model daily. Right. And it, and it may seem repetitive and it may seem boring sometimes, but that's, that's where success comes from, right? It's being the consistent, consistency, consistency to ourselves, right? If, if we don't do it, if we don't hold ourselves accountable, we're not consistent with ourselves. Nobody's going to do it. Right? Mm. Nobody's going to feel, feel bad for us. We're, we're, you know, this isn't a, a time where things are just handed to us, right? We have to go out and get it, especially, yeah, sure. you know, being first generation, you know, we, we struggle, right? We, we, yeah. at least in, in, in the, in my career, I've gotten a lot of situations where I've had to work twice as hard than everybody else to get that opportunity. You know, I started very young in my career and I have the Hispanic last name, Enriquez, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, we can argue, we can, people can say yes, you know, yes or no, that makes a difference. I felt it, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've felt not being asked into certain rooms and not being allowed to sit at certain tables because I wasn't there yet, either because of my age or because who the people were at that table, mm-hmm. right? And I had to work my, you know, work that much harder to be able to get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then, and um, and today you you give it to others, right? Because that's that's and, and that's always been my goal, right? I think I think it's it's paying it forward, opening up the door, opening up you know one of the things. And you know you, you brought up a little bit about about uh, this fund that I'm starting, right? We just got SEC approval to go out and, and do a, our first initial raise of fifty million dollars, right? Um, and it is that's huge, right? When when huge. when the partners that I have, we started talking about these numbers, I was like, wow. You know, that, that is, that that's enormous, right. From where I was, you know, 15, 20 years ago to the opportunities that we have now to be able to do some of that stuff, you know, and, and I, I get taken aback every day and I have to get grounded. And I'm like, look, you know, I'm this, I'm still the same guy. I'm this humble kid. You know, my dad's a truck driver. My mom was a seamstress, you know, and they instilled this hard work and hard work and hard work and making an example for our, the younger siblings, our cousins, our, our other family that, that looks up to us, right. Um, and getting those opportunities. So one of the biggest parts of me building this fund was opening up the door for people to invest that aren't these country club, rich millionaires who just need somewhere to park money, right. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking for an opportunity to people to invest in real estate. Um, you know, with our fund, we're going to be able to deploy some in lending and, and lend some of it out because that's an, that's an essential factor for me It's to be able to go out and uh, to invest and lend it out to uh, home flippers, to developers, people who need access to cash that you know can't get through this typical bank. 
uh, and be able to deploy some of those assets out there. But it's also for acquisitions to go out and invest in big commercial projects and, and hospitality and restaurants and hotels nationwide and be able to do some things. So it opens up the door for some people that wouldn't necessarily, who want to invest in real estate, who don't know how, but also don't have millions of dollars to do so. You know, maybe have $25,000, $50,000 and say, hey, look, I want to put it in somewhere that is going to get me, generate me a good return. Um, and it'll start building wealth, you know, build, build lifetime generational wealth through these real estate assets that we can put together for people. Guys, pay attention because this this could be. Uh, I just interviewed someone else that that that's what they do, and and um, interviewed someone not too long ago here on my podcast, and this is what they do. They they they're hospitality. They're in the hospitality world, and a lot of people, uh, Byron, could be listening to us, and this could be the first time that they hear of such an opportunity, right? Because those funds and and syndication and and th- that kind of language. It's not readily available for most Americans, right? Those opportunities are ultimately left for the rich, right? And and I'm so glad that you're not making it. It seems like it's not, I don't know. Do they have to be accredited to invest with you? Uh, we have both. We have so the way and that was essential for me for for the way we created the fund. It's we do have a certain need to have because SEC guidelines uh, deem it required. Uh, we do have the you know we do have to have a certain amount of accredited investors. But we are opening up a big door for people that you don't have to be accredited, mm-hmm. right? Um, where we can, you know, uh, like you said, expose other people, other generations, other, you know, where a lot of these funds, you know, and, and for me, same, you know, it took me years and years to be able to get exposed to some of these people. Yes. And I was yes, like, sir. oh, that's out there. Me too. I never, I never knew that was, that was, a, that was out there. Right. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's like you open up the door for the, for these opportunities, um, you know, and be able to expose a lot more people to, to, to this. You know, what's interesting is that when you look at the accredited, at the accredited uh, situation, like in order to be a accredited investor, you have to be have a million dollars in net worth and it excludes your excludes your your home. You got to exclude your equity in your personal home. And, and, I, and I, for, for, for a while, I thought, you know, that doesn't make sense. You know, most Americans, that's their biggest asset. That's their biggest asset. And um you know, it, here is a game that's created by the rich for the rich for them to play for the rich to play. When you really sit down and think about it, if my if the average working person's biggest asset is their equity in their house, and yet to invest in a, in, in, in a fund like yours, right, where they're going to get 12, 14, 15 percent annual average rate of return, right? Because these are the type of returns that you can get. And you can't get that on the streets. No. You know, you can't get those kind of returns on the streets. Well. Now you're telling me that as a working class person, my biggest asset is the equity I have in my house. I can't use that. So that eliminates me to put my my, my little shekels in there, right? Yes. And, and it's an unfair game, yes. right? Created by the rich, for the rich, for, for the rich to create more wealth. This is the way I saw it when I sat down and I really understood it. And uh, so I'm glad that you're doing it. And it's not necessarily, you don't need to be accredited. Because there's a lot of folks out there that just hardworking people have some money. They're, they're, they have their money parked in a savings account, getting destroyed by inflation. Yes. Getting absolutely destroyed by inflation. And you and I have uh, this education, the skill that we know, and we're exposed to this information. And it's our duty to, to, to educate people and let others know and inform them. So good for you. And I want to have you back on when those, when those funds are live. Uh, Byron, I do I, want I, you to, to come back on and we can talk about that and, and expose and offer it. And, and at the very end, we'll, we'll give people the information. 
on how they can get a hold of you. So if and when you're ready to go, they can call you. The right. next question I have for you is, Brian, you know, you, you seem to have a real interesting journey coming up and we're always growing, right? What advice would you give to someone that's listening to this podcast right now or watching us? And, you know, they have that feeling, that feeling of frustration. You've been there, like feeling stuck, like I'm looking for my opportunity. How, how you know, because I remember, I remember being there. What, how am I going to get out of this situation? What do I have to do? What, where do I have to go? What is the first thing I need to do to get myself on the path of getting out of this nine to five, to get myself on the path of being financially free, to getting myself on the path to being wealthy? I want to have a five, 50, one day, 50, start a $50 million fund like, like Byron, right? What advice do you tell that young woman or, or man, that young man listening today that has that hunger, has that desire, but has no idea where to start? But see, and, and I think that's the million dollar question, right? And I think that's, but in my, in my head, that's the start. It's at least having that mentality of saying, I'm not content with this nine to five. I know there's something else out there, right? So that's the beginning. I think that's the biggest thing we got to get credit for, for anybody who, who, who puts that thought in their head um, and the person who's willing to take that next step, right? Who isn't just, isn't just fine with, I'm just going to sit here and woe is me and I'm going to complain that I'm never going to get rich. I'm never going to get wealthy. I'm never going to get an opportunity, right? But it's, it's being able to identify saying, yes, you know what? There is options, right? And then, and then it's, 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 it's mentality and it's mindset and it's surrounding yourself with the right people, right? And, and it's difficult to do, um, but it really takes action. It takes um, movement and it takes taking a step forward, right? I can, I can tell you this, in my, in my uh, journey and in my career, um, I've taken steps forward, and I've taken huge steps back, right? I've failed miserably at things that I've done, um, but I've given myself that opportunity to fail, right? I've given myself that, that opportunity that, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. And if this doesn't work, um, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to learn from it. You know, I can tell you in my first mortgage company, I went out, uh, market crashed, you know, I owed $25 million to a warehouse bank, Holy right? Smokes, man. That can shut people down. And people can say, that's it, I'm walking away. And I'm not going to lie, I did. For three to four months, I sat there and I said, I'm done. I'm never touching uh, another loan. I'm never touching another real estate opportunity. I'm never touching any of it ever again, right? Um, but and then having the right people in my life, you know, I had a mentor at the time who, who told me, you've done it once, you can do it again, and you're going to do it that much quicker and that much better because you've learned from your mistakes. You've Absolutely. learned from what you did that didn't work, right? And I tell that to people when, you, when you're starting out and you, you're going to take a risk, right? It's analyze that risk. And if it's something that obviously it's not going to make you homeless, and, but if it's a risk you take, even if you fail, you try it. You learn from it. Take that, take that knowledge um, and keep growing, right? It's, it's take, those, take those, uh, those steps necessary to take risks because if you're not willing to take some risks, you're not going to uh, get that reward. Mm-hmm. How do you process? Um, how do you process your decision making? I want to get a little bit into that. How do you process when you when you're forced to making a decision, whether you're making an investment risk or a hire for the company, or how do you how do you process that? What what is your process? How much time do you do you as an entrepreneur as a business owner spend in thinking time? Right, because we. 
I've learned that as a business owner, there's times that we just need to sit and think and ask ourselves some questions and just uninterrupted time. How much time do you devout, the, the, the you know, that, that again, that comes with a lot of discipline and obviously you have it. Um, how much, how much time do you, you know, dedicate to that? And what's your process when you're, when you're making a difficult decision that you, you know, you're faced with for your business, your personal life, because it's, it's almost some, sometimes we use the same process. I know I do. Yeah. And you know what? I do actually use the same process and not going to lie. Sometimes it doesn't help in the personal side. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's emotion, but you know, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, I'm a numbers guy. Always have been, you know, spreadsheets. I love numbers. I love data. I love data. Right. Um, I'd say 99% of my decisions are data driven, right? It's, it's, I look at the numbers and I look at the facts. Like I said, sometimes it's too black and white on the personal side because sometimes there has to be some overlap, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I've learned, and that's part of my journey to learn that to not be so um, black and white about certain things and, and letting some things kind of overlap and, and, and let things marinate. Um, I've built a career on decision-making. You know, I've ran big organizations where I've had a couple hundred people uh, that reported to me, right? And, and my decisions sometimes on a split second impact hundreds of people's livelihoods, their income. Um, and I've had to make those decisions, right? Um, so it's, for me, it's always been data, right? It's data doesn't lie. Um, and at least I know that when I make that decision, whether it's sometimes it comes out wrong, right? Um, but at least I know where my decision came from. And I, and I can, I can always say, look, this is what I based this myself on. If that data was wrong and my decision was wrong, or maybe it turned out the wrong way and that's okay. Right. But I stand by my decision because I understand it wasn't a, a feeling and I wasn't, it wasn't a, Hey, you know what? I just felt this way today because a lot of times, you know, we have rough lives and we have stress and we have a lot of things that kind of pour into our lives and, and, and we don't, we're, we're, we're uh, trigger happy and we make sometimes a little, you know, harsh decisions because of how we're feeling that day. Right. But I've trained myself that try to eliminate all the outside noise uh, and look at the data before I make a decision. Not only that, one of the things that I've done uh, mainly in the last uh, four or five years, and I've surrounded myself with the right people that I can, even, even if they're not benefiting from my decision, sometimes just speaking it out loud to somebody and bouncing it off of somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, and that's very difficult, right? Because as entrepreneurs, a lot of people don't get our journey and they don't understand these decisions we're making, you know, and, and it's hard sometimes, like you said, when you're talking sometimes millions of dollars, you know, about a, a, a deal that I'm putting together a loan or a fund or what have you. And, and you want to surround yourself with the right people that can give you constructive criticism or, or even just support you. And it's not going to sound like, oh, you're just trying to come here and gloat and showboat about what you're doing today. Correct. Right. Yeah. Surround yourself with the right people that have that mindset that can say, look, let's, let's look at this um, a little more holistic, a little, you know, because I know that I can be so data driven, right. I, I have uh, my life partner, the, you know, the woman that's in my life, and she helps me with that, right? Can she can, because she can say, "All right, take yourself out of that position and look at it objectively. Uh, look at it from all the other angles. How is it going to impact these people? How is it going to impact that? You know, what's the decision that we're making? Uh, you know, how does it impact our life and our livelihood and what we're going to do, right? And, and it's being able to to have that that so making time, right? Definitely making time. And that's part of what I was talking about. You know, making time in the mornings to really clear your head so that when you do go to to work. Um, and you're exposed to these decisions, you have a clear mind, right? You know what my goals are for the day, my mindset. I know what my direction is, and my direction is always very clear. 
Um, so my decisions always factor in how does it how does this impact my 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 directive and my direction and where I'm going, right? If 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 that decision I'm making is going to take me away from that, then that's the wrong choice. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much for sharing that. That that guys, by the way, um, if this is so you guys, I asked him that question so you guys can understand when you do invest money with him, how he processes decisions, right? And how he's going to be making uh, your money. And um, I tell you that that is the, the best way to make decisions, especially when when someone has your money and they're investing is you got to look at the data, you got to make data driven decisions. So that that is a great way to, to make decisions and the way he makes decisions. I mean, it's, you know, I'm no, no, no judger or anything like that. I'm not here to judge or, but it's, I could tell you being a, around a lot of successful um, money managers, that's how they make, that's how they make decisions. And um, as entrepreneurs, that's how we have to make decisions, you know, cause we, we got to look at the data and we, you know, us too, we have investors money in our hand and that's what we do. We look at the data and what does the data show us? Yep. Can we take that risk? Yep. Let's go. Vamos. That makes sense. Why? Because the data tells us like right now, Byron, we're in November of 2021 right now. And if you go to YouTube, you know, we have the Zillow scandal, all of that stuff. And we have inflation. We're at the tail end of COVID um, and a lot of different, there's always going to be something happening in the world. Always. I mean, there's always going to be something happening in the world. And you have a lot of people on, on, on social media and YouTube, at least, but I see the, the fear mongering. Oh, the market is about to explode. The market is about to implode. The market is about to implode. And if you only listen to those guys and you don't do your own research and you don't do your own, you don't look at the, you don't fact check your own data in your own market. Cause real estate, as you know, is very regional. It's very by location. If you don't fact check your own stuff in your own market, you're going to let them dictate how you run your business and the decisions you make in your life. <laughs> when I look at the data, for instance, in the markets I'm in, there is no indication of that. The inventory is extremely low. Uh, I mean, the, the things are still going off faster off the shelf than they're coming on. And the, there's no indication of that. When I start, because I'm studying the data like you, like okay. I'm looking at the data, I'm looking at the data. So all of those things are just, it's just noise. Like you said, all of that stuff is just noise. And we got to focus on the data in order to make those um, good decisions that are profitable for ourselves and our and our investors. Most importantly, for our investors, first investors always come first. That's our culture here um, as well, brother. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. If people want to get a hold of you, Byron, how could people reach you for? And I want to have you back on when you open up the fund. I want to have you back on because I want to talk about sales too, because you're you also do sales coaching and all that stuff. I do, yes. So I, I'd love to have you back on so we could talk about that. Um, so how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to connect with you, brother? So yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate definitely appreciate the time and, and the opportunity. I'm looking forward to you know some more time and we can, you know, it's just fun, right? To me, this is absolutely this is, this is educational, this is fun. But anybody wants to get a hold of me. Um, my company website is jssfinancial.net. Uh, that's for all lending purposes. All you can see a lot of links on there. Uh, my personal website uh, for speaking, coaching, mentoring is byronenriquez.com. Um, social media, you can find uh, at JSS Financial for, at, on all platforms. Or my personal one, it's at the casual executive, uh, taking leadership, sales, uh, real estate with a more casual approach, being able to be more personable and being able to connect with with people on a on a personal level. 
Outstanding, brother. Thank you so much for being here. Really, really appreciate you. And I hope to have you back on here really soon. Actually, I'd like to have you on first quarter next year so Perfect. we can see, see where you are with, with your fund. I want to support you in that and get my listeners to, if they want to invest in, in, in a fund, I'm, you know, I want to send them that way so that um, you know there's opportunities for them to grow their money and for you guys to grow your business and continue to expand, my brother. Thank you for being here. Definitely looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Latinos in Real Estate Investing podcast, the top information hub for real estate investors and entrepreneurs within the Latino community. If you like to invest passively in real estate with our group, please email martin at premierridgecapital.com.